I'm Vince McMahon, and welcome to the best of Camel Clutch Cinema. Never before seen highlights you'll want to keep as a permanent record that takes you back through the history, the long and illustrious history of the Camel Clutch Cinema. Let's take you now to some mad action as never before seen. I'm going to give a recipe for everybody here. Uh, Pat Patterson's Big Cabbage Balls. <laughs> Stop it. It says here, Patterson grew up in a large, poor family in Montreal where cabbage was cheap and plentiful. Pat's French mother had several cabbage recipes, but this one was the main event. I've had these made by Pat in his home. I guess this is JR talking with his late friend, Louis Dondero, and they are off the page. So was the conversation with those two. I miss Louie, and my wife makes these from time to time in honor of our friend and the first intercontinental champion, which, remember, Pat Patterson didn't win that title. No, there was that phantom tournament. That A happened. very deserving man to be intercontinental champion. Don't get me wrong. He just mm -hmm. didn't win it. Uh, all right, so you, you're going to need this. Two to three large heads of cabbage, two pounds of lean ground beef, two, one pound of lean ground pork, a medium onion chopped fine, a cup of uncooked rice, salted to taste, uh, fresh ground black pepper to taste. Wh why would they tell you to taste? Isn't that, that's your, you, you're, you should be smart enough to know, hey, this could use some salt. Uh, but, and then you're going to need two cans of tomato juice. Here's the, uh, here's the recipe. You get your big pot, you boil your cabbage. Make sure you don't overboil it. Then you get a bowl, mix up the ground beef, the pork, the onion, the rice, the salt and pepper. And then when it's cool to the touch, you take that cabbage and you you lay it down around the heart. What is the heart? Oh, sorry, I guess you cut it and then you, you pull out the heart of the cabbage. And uh, you take those leaves. Um, let's see. Okay, so you got to stuff the leaves with the meat and rice mixture into the leaf. Don't pack it too tight, he says. And then you roll that leaf around it to make a ball. And then you uh, you, you take the balls, put them in a large pot. you got to stack the balls one on top of each other. Uh -huh. And then then you pour the tomato juice on them, uh, the, the two cups of tomato juice. When you're totally done, cover that pot and, and simmer it to a boil. Let it then, then turn it down low. So you get it to a boil, then simmer it for two and a half hours. Um, and don't let your balls b burn on the bottom. And that'll be your Pat Patterson's Big Cabbage Balls. I got to tell you, I'm not a huge cabbage guy, but that sounds delicious. And on this episode, we are talking to Hollywood screenwriter Dan Kunkka, who we probably all know from the John Cena movie 12 Rounds. Dan, welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. And I'm not sure how much... Uh, how much people really know the screenwriter of 12 rounds, but I, I well, appreciate the plug nonetheless. I will tell you, if they are listening to us, they know you very well because we <laughs> adored that film. And the best thing about it is the writing. Well, thank you very much. I, there are some other good things about it as well, but uh, it I, is, it is I, an awesome film. We, uh, we reviewed it and we reviewed it very positively. It is a movie that keeps you on the edge of your seat and it's a movie with a lot of good stuff. I want to talk about that, but I want to first start out and do kind of like the A&E biography of you. We want to go back and know your story. Uh, um, where, where were you from? Where were you born? Uh, great. Yeah. I was born uh, and raised in suburban Chicago on the South side of Chicago um, and went to uh, USC Film School. That's how I, I live in Los Angeles currently, and I moved out uh, to go to school at USC. Well, now, um, was that something you wanted to do when you were a kid? I mean, is this something you, you always wanted? No, no, not really. It was weird. I, like a lot of people that I went to cinema school with, 
um, were like the, the, you know, cinephiles for life and, 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 you know, made a bunch of home movies when they were kids. And like, I, I, I did a little bit of it, but I was more, um, I really liked writing and, uh, my junior or senior year of college, um, I was just looking at different types of writing programs and found this, I, I found out about screenwriting and did a little research and, and found this very specific program at USC called filmic writing, um, which is an undergraduate course. It's a, it's a four year program. You have to be admitted as a freshman and it's kind of a four year intensive, um, about screenwriting. And so I made the decision to sort of come out and do that. And, you know, I was a bad film student. I, uh, <laughs> like I, I hadn't seen the Godfather until I went to film school. I hadn't seen Citizen Kane. Like I was definitely not, um, a film guy. Well, what kind of movies did you like? What movies did you enjoy? You know, what was your favorite movie growing up? <sighs> to be honest, my favorite movie growing up was the movie Clue that starred Tim Curry. It's a great where, movie. Yes. Communism was a red herring. It's, it's, it is one of my, I watched that movie, I think, more than anything. Uh, like, I liked, I liked that. I liked Ferris Bueller. I liked, uh, Silence of the Lambs when I was a little bit older. And Pulp Fiction came out right before I went to film school. So that was sort of like the big film school film that everyone was, you know, into. Um, but oddly enough, like, it, it, it storytelling wise, my, I loved watching TV and I loved, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life. And it's, and it's, uh, strange to think that my first film that got, that got made was 12 rounds, which started professional wrestler, considering that when I was growing up, my mother hated that I watched professional wrestling and she would always yell at me to not waste her electricity and that people who liked wrestling never amounted to anything. And I would still like hide away and watch superstars and I watched WCW Saturday night all the time. And like, that's really where I learned, uh, sort of like, episodic storytelling, even though I didn't really even know it. We'll take you now, ladies and gentlemen, to the Brendan Byrne Arena in the Meadowlands Complex over in New Jersey and witness truly one of the great tag team matches. I'm from Hollywood, California. I'm not from Memphis, Tennessee, where you talk like this and you don't use soap. Yeah, I mean, that is... Uh... That's a wonderful documentary, but I like this better. Oh, I mean, to yeah. me, this is just pure, raw Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they filmed this August 9th, 1982, so it was almost two years before this had its premiere. Uh, and it was filmed over four hours on a, on a single day at this restaurant. The waitress is a, is a real waitress, and, and she wasn't Mike. So there's a there's a point in the movie where she has some dialogue, and they had to they had to like loop her, you know. They had to have Andy's Andy's future uh, girlfriend. Oh wow, I didn't even notice that. Who's yeah? She she has there's a line where she's like, he goes, "Is it fresh orange juice?" And she goes, "It's, it's in a can." Yeah, yeah, and that's not her voice. And it, it, you can kind of tell if you if you've seen it a few times. Yeah, well, she was pregnant. Yeah, the, I've, the I've, pregnant waitress. While watching it, I was thinking there's a 30 year old person. <laughs> Yes. Girl or boy, uh, man or woman out there now that might not even know uh, that their mom was in a movie. Right. And uh, Fred Blassie he, rubbed, <laughs> rubbed the belly, called her Buddha. So uh, it starts out with the introduction, which I did the parody of. 
at the beginning of this, and Andy's just talking about it. He's going to meet Fred Blassie, and he's going to Sambo's. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Sambo's? I actually have, mainly bet- be- uh, between uh, this movie and I think you're, you've talked about it a handful of times. Yeah, you know, but I think I know of it because of this movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I've read about it beyond that. I was curious if maybe you had gone at some point. I don't uh, know if they were ever out on the on the East Coast, yeah. uh, but maybe they were. You yeah. know, it was apparently a big franchise at yeah. one point in time. Yeah, there's uh, one location left, if I have memory Which serves. is the original location, yeah. and and so it's at one point they it became a uh, you know a big giant uh, franchise, you know, with with multiple locations. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was twenty or two hundred, but they had a, they had multiple locations, and the, the it was based on the story Little Black Sambo, which was a um, it's a story about an Indian child, and he uh, he goes out and he encounters some tigers who want to take his clothes and so he gives them his clothes and then he get, tricks them into chasing each other until they turn into butter brings the butter home and his mom makes pancakes out of it and they it's like mom ate 24 pancakes dad ate 112 pancakes but Sambo was so so excited he ate 300 pancakes and then went to bed it is a weird childhood story but over time uh, people became more sensitive to the title of it yeah. and uh, they they stopped it stopped being red and the restaurant started to really get a lot of backlash over it. Now the restaurant did not name themselves after that. There was a combination of two guys. I think one guy's name was Sam and the other guy's name was Bo. And they put their names together and then used that as the uh, as the motif. We don't see any of that motif. We do see a cartoon character on the menu but I don't think it was uh, Sam Bo. Yeah, it was actually um, Sam Battistone, so that's where you get the Sam from. And where's the bone? And Newell Bonet. Bonet. Yeah, so. so it's the it's the first name and the last name. So I mean, they did know, you know, that it it, it it had this book that they could attach it to, but that is where they put the two names together from. Um, as we see him get on the bus, and this is a very interesting thing. There was a while where I really wanted to track down. Where the uh, where the actual location was because mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot of them turned into Denny's and I was thinking I could go there yeah. and eat there mm-hmm. and so if you look in this shot the first shot you can see Andy walking near a Sambo's trash can and then he gets on the bus <laughs> okay. and he gets off the bus the same location and they're just uh. filming from the other corner so my guess is he got on the bus rode around and then got off the bus and that was all one shot yeah, beginning yeah. and the end of the you know the, yeah. the, so he doesn't start out at his apartment yeah. or anything he starts out you know on the corner right on the opposite side yeah. of uh, where the restaurant and they was they do a rotation or whatever yeah exactly uh, he says that the bus fare is 50 cents talks about how you can get anywhere in the city for 50 cents yeah, and it hasn't gone up that much went up to 150 yeah, which is I mean, it's 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 a big jump from fifty cents, yeah. but it's been a long time. Yeah, it was either overpriced in, in <laughs> yeah. nineteen eighty two, or it's an incredible value today. I'm not sure which. Andy is all about the bus. He he hypes it up. I'm Guy Hutchinson, and I'm Craig Cohen. On this week's episode, we are talking to the ECW documentary Barbed Wire City co-director John Filipovich. Hello, John. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I, uh, I'm excited to, to talk to you, and I'm sure people are excited to hear from you, because you don't do interviews. 
No, Kevin doesn't do interviews. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I oh, know Kevin doesn't do them. You have done so many interviews. I know, and, and yet it seems like people I, – I still get questions from people that haven't heard anything that I've said, so it's yeah. probably good that I'm here. Let's, let's back up because you mentioned Kevin doesn't do interviews, so Kevin uh, made the film with you, and, and he hasn't done any interviews at all other than the Q&A? He did one. Uh, we uh, had Tony Lewis, who appears in our film, came up to our studio in January, and Mike Johnson was with him, who also appears in our film. And Mike and I had plotted to get Kevin on like uh, on one of these PW Insider TV things that he puts out on YouTube. So like with you know. Th- th- uh, after this, after the screening, we were all talking, and then I pulled Kev aside, and I'm like, "Mike really needs you to do this, man. You got to do this for us." And he's like, "Ah," and Mike's like, and then Mike piled on, and he was like, "Oh, okay." So it was kind of like a hostage video for the first minute, and then he got kind of more comfortable with it. The reason yeah. I I wanted to talk to him because I asked you, I said, "Would he do it?" And you said he really doesn't like to do these, is because he said he's not a wrestling fan, which I found fascinating. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I keep telling him, I'm like, especially this, see, the, he didn't say no to this one so much as he actually had to, to be at the theater that he works at. Okay. And, and he's, in, he's in charge of everything. He's the technical director. So oh, wow. so he, he does have an excuse this time. But I did, I did tell him about him, and he's like, okay, well, it's not wrestling-centric. He, he's just, he thinks that he's going to damage us somehow by, by not being a fan and, you know, not channing ecw i guess or something i don't know i don't know how he, he just he's elusive like that you know yes. i think it, i would have loved for him to come on because he definitely like if you get him talking you know privately he's he's awesome about it but you know i was shocked he did the q a i actually got him to answer a few questions you did and he was gutsy enough to admit to that crowd that he wasn't a wrestling fan which yeah, i think yeah. which is what made me like him even more Hello again, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon. Here in Video Control, together with Coliseum Video, have certainly enjoyed creating these shows. We believe there is no attraction in the entire world of sports or entertainment that can equal the action, the spectacle, and the drama of professional wrestling from the World Wrestling Federation. And and we got to plug yours more because people have to go onto your Twitter account and watch you apologize to public restrooms. I uh, I need to make a, an, an app for that, like a crap app. <laughs> you know, uh, tell, tell everybody about this, because this is one of my favorite things about your Twitter feed, which is incredibly funny. Uh, I, well, I'm incredibly immature. Uh, I'm 39, but physically, uh, but mentally, I am 13. So if you tell, like, the most intriguing, well-thought-out joke, I might giggle. But if you throw a couple poops and farts in there, I'm on the floor. So, um, long story short, uh, you know, I, you know, if I happen to go use public facilities, uh, I tend to apologize to them immediately on Facebook and Twitter. I'll go sorry and post where I'm at because you normally, uh, I feel bad for anybody who has to, you know, uh, do the old follow up act on me. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't do my own house because if I did my own house, I would have to update my, my, uh, my media package on my cell phone. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, if you, if you follow me on Twitter at the blue meanie, T H E E blue meanie. And, uh, if you subscribe to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Brian uh, I will definitely blow up your Twitter feeds while I'm blowing up the bathroom. This is so funny to like, 
other people are like, you know, on my Twitter I say funny things. I'm, uh, I say nice thoughts. If you want to know where I pooped, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want the real shit. <laughs> you want to- I love how that just happened organically. Yes, <laughs> yes. Has anyone ever Look shown up? Poop. Have you ever had any marks show up and they're outside the here. stall looking at you? Uh, luckily, I, I, I've, I've hightailed it out of there. I usually try to keep it to a single stall or like Dunkin' Donuts or something. But uh, I mean, because Dunkin' Donuts keeps America running. That's right. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, just, uh, it's just very organic and very <laughs> random. It's like a drive-by shooting. They're yeah, sh- shooting the Santa Claus movie. I've seen, uh, the legs of a stall with Santa Claus, uh, pooping. <laughs> it's just quite funny to see red pants, yeah. uh, a series of them all lined up <laughs> doing their uh, business. Well, growing up in South. Log. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What, was there anybody, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but there, was there anybody that was really difficult? Yes. Who? Very. China. Really? Yes, yeah, it's difficult. You know, it's... I don't mean to yeah. sound surprised. I've heard that from everybody, but I'm just... You um, know what? I'm, I have nothing to hide. I mean, when I yeah. worked, it was tons of women. Women don't like other women. Uh, they get intimidated, and never been like that i try to be friends with everybody i just think that you know at that time it was who was popular who was gonna be written in on the show and and at that time china was very popular and was on top of the uh number one wwf and she was not friendly at all at all at all which was kind of disappointing you know so but, but there you go that's her future see how her future is yeah and, she's she's kind of weird I, well, I believe on on uh, who you meet going up the ladder, you'll definitely see going back down the ladder. So I think that's very important to treat people respectfully because if you don't, it's going to come back at you. And there you go. Did you ever have a, a, a scenario where you had to work with China in the ring or out of the ring? No. Okay. I couldn't I'm remember. I'm so glad. No, I know <laughs> that she was doing some low-budget movies, and I had a couple girlfriends that were doubling her at the time. Um, when she was trying to make a career when she left WWF, but uh, I never ran into her. I've never seen her, um, and have fortunately not have had to work with her. Well, well, tell me the details. What what was I mean? What was she like? What was the what was the issue? Well, you know, we when I was there, it was ten, twelve, fifteen girls, and you go into a stadium, think of Staples Center or whatever, you know, big stadium you have. You don't have separate dressing rooms. You have one big dressing room and a big long mirror. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll never forget the specific time when I first started uh, being able to go into the dressing room and kind of get ready and and not get on stage at all. But it doesn't matter. But she would just take a full mirror, never let anybody know the mirror, and uh, just never said hi. Just gave you dirty looks. And there was a hair and makeup lady on there. You you. I would have to take care of myself. I would have my own clothing. I would dress myself, hair, makeup, all that. Mm-hmm. They did have a hair and makeup lady at the time, and if you needed her to do something, it would be great. So a couple times I remember asking her to help me, and she said, I can't. i, I got to help China. China would take up all her time. So she, she was just not a nice person, not friendly, and basically would be 
a typical B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> China needed a lot of work, though, from the hair and makeup lady. Yeah, you know, she had a phenomenal body. When I was wrestling her, she worked out hard. She worked hard, mm-hmm. but, yeah, she was a little uh, different looking, you should say. <laughs> but, yeah, she's, she's, I mean, she has had some really tough times since then, and she's she's bad-mouthed everybody, so I'm not at all surprised to hear that she was difficult to deal with. No, and, and really, everybody else was pretty decent. I mean, you know, you get the girl stuff, but... I don't want to be best friends with everybody, but don't you want to just at least have a nice atmosphere sure. to work in and yeah. say hello and be done with it? I mean, that's what I love about the stunt business. Whenever I work with somebody I don't know, it's the best time. We have the greatest time, whether you're female or male. That's what I loved about this business. Right. So it was it was a it was a tough time, but I learned a great deal and I, I met a lot of wonderful people. And hey, I got to walk down that great stage in front of thousands of people. Who could say that, right? Yeah, what was, I mean, what is that feeling like? Because I, I always think about, I mean, that is so many people in one place looking directly at you and listening to every word. That's awesome. It's really, I would want everybody to experience that. It's, it's pretty spectacular. But for me, I mean, after that, it was either beer thrown on me or food, but that's okay. It was playing my character right. But it is an amazing feeling to walk out and either have people booing for you or cheering for you. So, uh, it's, it's awesome. Once again, we have put together exclusively for the home video audience an extraordinary collection of matches as if they were taking place on a single card. This cassette is the best possible record for your permanent collection. And we are at uh, Yogi's All-American Grill and Sports Bar Mm -hmm. for no particular reason, except for there is a wrestling connection to this bar. Oh, wow. I've seen Dave and Earl Hefner in this bar. (laughs) Right. They do the the conventions across the street, right? It's 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 in this building. It's in this building. Yeah, this uh, this is attached to a... Uh, Crown Plaza Hotel in Monroe, New Jersey, and they do the Legends of Wrestling convention here every year. So every year, you're bound to find quite a few guys hanging out at the bar in here. Was there a point when you saw both Hebners in here? Did you say, how can there be two Earl Hebners? I grabbed them both and went, ah, ah, did, a, did a Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, I, I totally forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I'm just going to be good for this now. I think I'm going to get an appetizer though, a little later. Yeah, me too. Good? So, um, yeah, yeah, we're they, be... do, they do a big convention here. I have met uh, Lita here. Got a picture with Lita. Met the Blue Meanie here a couple times. Um, Cowboy Bob Orton. Got to see uh, Bastion Booger, uh, Mike Shaw, a few days before he died, or a few weeks, but very yeah. shortly before he died, he was here. And I was like, wow, he looks great. You know, it was really yeah, funny. Was yeah. I thought he looked, you know, healthy and, and looked good. But, yeah, they, they do a, a convention here. And it's it's crazy because you come into this this little hotel and everywhere you look, you're like, oh, there's Kevin Nash. You yeah. know, there's, you know. I, I also happen to think that there is a conspiracy against me and that they somehow have access <laughs> to my personal calendar. Yeah, I don't know why. Because every time they run this convention, I have something else going on. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And it's not like... 
your your uh, uh, cosmopolite traveling yeah, around no. the globe, you know, and, and never available. I mean, you're 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 like anybody else, but you're yeah. often available yeah. for things. You know, months in advance about this, you can never do it. No, I don't. But I, I I come every year because this is 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 really like a quiet, out of the way kind of place to come. It's so much better than when you go to. At least it, it's different. I don't know if it's better, yeah. but it's different than when you go to a convention where it's in some big city and yeah. there's you know tons of people. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like a really small little yeah. place, and you'll walk by. I walk by Brutus Beefcake in the parking lot going to my car one time. It's just yeah. it's it's weird. It's like on the Simpsons when you know where they go in and there's you know the Don King yeah. character is right there in the town yeah. standing next to Mo. Yeah, and they also do. Uh, they've done a couple of the U shoots these weekends. Yeah, they record well. those here. Yeah, so also recorded here um, the one with uh, the Ring Roast with um, uh, Iron, Iron Sheik. Sheik was recorded here. Dix- was Dixie's Dixie Carter and then uh, Jim Cornette, I believe. Uh, oh, Vince Russo. Vince Russo. Yeah. yeah, all were recorded here. Vince Russo and Jim Cornette called in. So all of those were recorded in this building. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think, again, I think they did a good job with it. I think those guys, for what they were, they were tag team champs. They uh, they hold a fonder place in my heart. I knew who the Road Warriors were, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed Demolition. There were Demolition didn't just no-sell everybody. You know, these were guys that put on a real match. <laughs> yeah, and they actually also, um, you know, you were able to play them in um, the video game. That's right. What was it, WrestleMania? <laughs> was it WrestleMania? Uh, WrestleFest. WrestleFest, yes. Is- WrestleFest is the one. WrestleMania was a video game, and I don't think they're in it because I don't think they put any tag teams in that. That was mm-hmm. the one for uh, for for NES. But yeah. the uh, the one WrestleFest, you get to play either the Royal Rumble or you get to play you know the the Saturday night's main event mode. And yes. in that mode, you're working your way to the championship match against the Legion of Doom. And Hulk Hogan keeps punching that calendar, and the calendar pages tear from his from his massive punch, telling you how many matches you have left. Uh, and and you're you could be demolition. They're the uh, they're in there, and you could play as one or the other for the Royal Rumble mode, or you can you can actually choose them as a tag team for the for for that. And so yeah, they're they're uh, they hold a very fond place in my heart. So I uh, I'm glad you put them on here. Uh, I'm gonna go with another tag team for okay. this. I'm gonna go with. Uh, and, and this one I'm going to expand once I give you the initial tag team, which is the head shrinkers. And then I want to just expand it to a lot of the stereotypical Samoan characters in wrestling. Yes, um, that is a great, great choice. I always remember the the rule was that you could never hurt a Samoan by hitting them in the head with a chair. <laughs> You know, that that would not put them out. It'd put a mere mortal out, sure, but not a Samoan. They had the thicker head, which Gorilla would explain to us. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is either hit them with something or attempt a headbutt. I, I really like these characters, though. I liked, you know, Afa was just so great, and he had the big hair, you know, and they, they, they would do those chops, and you believe that that hurt more than anything else, and I bet you it probably did. But here's the thing about the Samoans and, and Jimmy Schnooka and a lot of other guys. When I was growing up, the fact that they went to the ring barefoot just <laughs> blew my mind. Yes. Uh, I would always hear, like, Gorilla Monsoon, when he had to fill time, would say, you know, I don't agree with these guys wrestling barefoot. You know, they could step on a tack on the way to the ring or something, and there they'd be out. And I always thought that's a good point. Yes. Something bad could happen. 
I, uh, I, I did like them. And then when you go into the beyond the wild Samoans, you know, you had teams like the Samoan SWAT team. Remember them? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. I mean, there were, these were bigger than life characters in every sense of the word. And, and those were, were definitely characters that I, I enjoyed watching. What is next on your list? I'm actually going to jump over to, uh, 90s era WCW and go with kind of a, another stereotypical character, uh, Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno. Very good. Now, I've always kind of thought Disco Inferno was just a, a revamp of the Honky Tonk Man character. They just said, let's take it in the 80s. They did the, they did, or actually the 90s, I guess the early 90s. They did the wrestler who was pretending he was in the 50s. So when they got to 2000, they were like, let's do a wrestler who's pretending he's in the 70s. Yes. And he definitely feels like a character that would pop up in a wacky comedy from that time period and be the bad guy. <laughs> I I definitely can see it. I mean, they I think they are playing off like John Travolta's character, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, from Saturday Night Fever. I think that's definitely the look they're going for. And I think more often than not with these characters, you find movie connections because I think that's easier for them to do than to say, hey, my cousin Earl used to look like this, and he used to say this, and we could make that into a character. I think it's a lot easier when somebody's already broken the code and made this character, you know, into a character on screen, it's easy for you to emulate somebody else emulating this character. And I think that's where a lot of these characters, I mean, for the, for goodness sakes, WCW put out Oz. Remember, remember when they did the whole wizard of Oz angle? Yes. With Kevin Nash. Yeah. I mean, you know, the wrestling and movies are tied so well together. Also when the Miz early in his career, his finisher was the wizard of Oz. (laughs) Which, I think at some point, you know, even Michael Cole was like, I, I can't say that, guys. Just, <laughs> they're just like, Taz Mission, Education, <laughs> and then the Mizzard of Oz, yes. and the match is over. We at the World Wrestling Federation have certainly enjoyed compiling memorable matches and features for your permanent home video collection. I'm also pleased to report that Many fans have written to say how much you've enjoyed watching these highlights, and we want you to know that it's most important to us that you continue to write and let us here at the World Wrestling Federation know the kind of professional wrestling you think is most exciting. At the end of this program, we're going to provide an address, and again, we invite your comments and remind you that the World Wrestling Federation home video is yours to keep. The other interesting thing about it is he was gone for four years, which is a really, really long time, even by today's standards. And for him to come back with the same exact gimmick mm-hmm. is is pretty remarkable. Yeah, because, same you know, gimmick, just flipped mm-hmm. it. You know, he didn't. They didn't repackage him and you know yeah. put a hat on him or anything and say, no, he has no tattoos on his head. I guess that's probably part of it. Do you think there was ever a moment where Vince was like, could you grow in dreadlocks? And he's like, no, I, <laughs> I've got a bald head with tattoos. He's like, I guess we got to stick with that. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember um, he was with Luna Vachon for a while, and you know he, the, she was his main squeeze, and uh, they had that feud uh, with Doink the Clown, which which ended up going to the Survivor Series, where there were four Doinks, but none of them were Doink. Yes, there there was uh, there was the Bushwhackers with Doink makeup, and then Men on a Mission with Doink makeup. God, 
I, you had to think if you're Bam Bam, you're like, this is, this is it, right? Right. I'm never, this is all downhill from here. There's no chance of me headlining anything after this moment where I'm fighting against the four doinks. Yeah. I actually, I think that was the, uh, the survivor series I went to. Yeah. I think it is. Actually, I've seen pictures. Yes. You were, you were there, you know, front row. Did it, did it make an impact on you? The fact that I remember that match shows that it did. <laughs> I think but, I have pictures in my collection of, um, of yes, of a bushwhacker with the clown makeup. Yeah, and also the the uh, big uh, King Mabel, I think. Sure, yeah, uh, maybe big, uh, holding a balloon. Big this, yeah. Oh my God, they were just. I mean, they just had to act stupid. I mean, that was just the doink gimmick, you know. Um, so anyway, after this, the reason why I point this out, this is really got to be the low in your career when your team is losing to the four doinks. And then shortly after this, he's at the Royal Rumble, loses another match, but gets into a fight with, with, uh, Lawrence Taylor right there in the front row of, of, you know, the wrestling event. Oh yeah. The predator is basically collecting souvenirs from, from the people that he kills. Right, yeah, he's an interesting character, and and they're going to try to catch him, which just made me think of To Catch a Predator. <laughs> and I just really pictured Arnold going up to the Predator afterwards and being like, now why did you come here with cookies and flowers? What were you expecting? Please sit down. <laughs> and then the Predator gets up at the end and thinks he's going to be, be able to walk yeah. right onto his spaceship. No, there are cops out there for you. You're going to prison. You are a predator. Uh, my Arnold is terrible. But you know, I think I, we just wrote a, a new Mad Magazine parody. <laughs> I think the problem with Arnold impressions is that everybody has heard so many bad Arnold impressions that you can't, you can no longer do it right. It's like yeah, you know, you're you doing heard, an, uh, an impression of an impression. Yes, but he does have a great line here where he says, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Yes, and the predator has this great sort of neon green blood. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So we see, uh, we see, uh, Poncho get, get terribly wounded. We see Matt get shot in the head and then Dylan loses his arm and it keeps shooting. <laughs> yes. Uh, another amazing scene where they, where Mac and Dylan sort of have eyes on the predator and they, they devise a, a really good plan to sort of, you know, one of them go around and come behind him. Uh, and of course the predator's just too smart for that. And, uh, and you get a really, really well done sequence in which um, they both get dispatched. And I, I think this is, again, this is a, a great action sequence in, in that. In this movie, you always have an idea, uh, a clear idea of what's going on. We met The Rock years ago before he was a star. And yes. he was such a non-star that he just showed up in his own car and got out, got the IC title out of the back seat, and then sat there and signed autographs for everybody. Yes. I remember watching this guy early on in his career. He was, you know, he he would fight against, you know, bad guys, and he would come out, you know, and he had his hair poofed up. Remember, yeah. he had, like, you know, long pieces of hair poofed up on the top of his head, and he had, like, shiny, shiny ring gear, you know, almost like the rockers would wear, and he would come out and give it 110%. I remember him being seconded by his father going into a match against the Sultan, who became uh, Rikishi, Rikishi. Yeah. and the Sultan was seconded by Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik. 
and it was a really, you know, weird moment for wrestling. But he came out, and what happened was the fans turned on him. Fans didn't like him. Yeah, you know? that's where you got the die, Rocky, die chant. Yes. Can you imagine people chanting? And this was at the tail end of the Hulk Hogan era. You know, this was be, this was what became the Attitude Era. But at this point, for fans to chant for a wrestler to die, yeah. I mean, this was crazy. You know, and the fans just turned on him. And so then he joined the Nation of Domination and, you know, slowly started to morph into the character that, that we then saw to the end of his career in 2003. And then he disappeared, showing up two or three years ago, you know, started having his little appearances first. He showed up on the SmackDown anniversary from his house in front of his glass display cases with his, you know, Brahma Bull title. Yes. And then a lot of belts in that display case. Oh, it was beautiful. I, I, I wonder if that's legit or if that was just something they set up for the shot. You know, I'd like to yeah. think that at least in his basement next to his, you know, water heater, there's a display case with his belts. But so then they, they you know, then he, he came back, you know, to host WrestleMania, you know, the WrestleMania in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was such a big deal that he was coming back. Vince announced he was going to have an amazing guest host for us all at WrestleMania. And they went, doom, 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 doom. Lights came down and then the lights came up and it was The Rock. And everybody said, oh, my God, The Rock. We haven't seen this guy in a ring. I mean, we saw him on that promo, but that was pre-recorded. Yeah. And he said, I'm back and I'm never leaving again, <laughs> which wasn't exactly true. But hey, at this point, he's come back a few times. So at least he's kind of stuck around. It's, it is saying something. I mean, I don't think Tom Cruise would do this many appearances for WWE. Yeah, you know, and I think it really sort of speaks to his his commitment or his, you know, his gratitude towards what the industry did for him. Yeah. Um, because there was a point where I didn't think we'd see The Rock really involved in it's, WWE It's anymore. so true. I remember telling people, I said, oh, he'll be back one day. And I remember yeah. telling people that weren't wrestling fans, and they said, no, he won't be back. He makes $20 million a picture. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like... He is, this is in his blood. This is mm-hmm. in his family. These guys can't escape this. You know, this is an industry that once you're a part of it, you never want to really go away. And, and I, I kind of feel like when he came back, he was like, wow, why did I ever leave this completely? You know, why did I yeah. go away for good? This is, this is it. And also, Tyler Mead had one of the silliest wrestling names ever. Do you remember what it is, guys? No, I, I definitely it? don't. What was it? Sky Skywalker. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> not as bad as Terrorizing. Oh. Terrorizing. <laughs> this is the worst name ever. Who was is, who is Terrorizing? That was, was that, it was an Edge, was it? No, it was Triple H and WCW. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, wait, Taylor Maine, if I remember correctly, he had like eight different wacky names. Am I right about that, Craig? Yes. He also wrestled as Big Sky, the Skywalker, Gully Gaspar, Tyler Maine, of course, right. Nitron, right. and Daryl Carolette. <laughs> With a K. He was uh, one of those wrestlers, the, the Japanese stereotype of wrestling at that time. He would throw salt in his opponent's eyes. He'd do a lot of chops and kicks. You know, and and really, really, you know, uh, just a spark plug of a man, just a real, real dense, you know, burly guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Looking at his list of accomplishments, he looks like he did a lot of tag team work as well. And one name's jumping out at me here. Uh, the NWA Hawaii Tag Team Championship he won with King Curtis Iakea. Ah. Is, is that Prince Iakea's papa? That is, yeah, that is a member of the of the family tree there of the the Samoans that are are well known throughout wrestling history all the way down to the Rock. Oh yeah, I, I completely forgot that. You know, if you're a Samoan, you're definitely uh, you're you're related. That's right. Yeah, it's, in the wrestling it's, world. It is also interesting to point out he's not he's Korean in the movie he's not Korean he was born in Hawaii uh, so he was he's an he was an, an American citizen although at that time Hawaii may not have been a state and I I did not pay attention in history class so I can't verify that <laughs> and he was of Japanese descent yes so uh, let's talk about the other people in this film this is a Sean Connery James Bond film there have been quite a few men to play James Bond but a lot of people find him to be the all-time best the you know the guy to turn to sure sure and uh, the main bond girl in this movie is Pussy Galore uh, one of the most famous uh, I bond think we will have to bleep that how can you yeah. Craig can you say that did they uh, say that in this movie I can't believe that it's PG. Um, and I don't know playing... how they, before we go any further, I don't know how they got away with that. Yeah, yeah. I maybe, guess it was maybe it may before be... that word really had the meaning. I guess. Or maybe it was just, you know, the way he would say it. He'd be like, well, pushy, pushy. <laughs> well, he'd they kind even of pronounce that, it wrong. Uh, there was a riff on that in, in one of the Austin Power movies where um, he, I, I believe, God, I wish I had seen those movies uh, more recently. Well, before before you get into that, it is really important to point out how much the Austin Powers movies borrowed from the James Bond movies, and especially this one. If yeah. you're watching the Austin Power movies and you're looking at the at the at the stuff that they they borrowed, the gags that they used, they're from this movie. Oh yeah, and there's one there's one real famous one we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so Honor Blackman played Pussy Galore. Now, the, you uh, have met a bunch of Bond girls. Is she one of the ones you've met? Uh, unfortunately, no. Now, she's still living, do you know? I, I believe she is, yes. Yeah, I, I have, I've never, I've never met, I've never stood aside a Bond girl. How many have you stood by and, and who have you been photographed with? Uh, I've met a, fo- a total of four and I met, um, in, in, in pairs of two. So the first set of Bond girls that I met were, both from The Man with the Golden Gun, Britt Ackland, who played Mary Goodnight, and Maude Adams, who played uh, Andrea Anders, but also came back to play Octopussy in the film Octopussy. Uh, two really, really nice ladies, and I actually had a bit of a, <laughs> a confusion with them where I wasn't 100% sure where to stand, and Britt Ackland got a little annoyed with me and finally just grabbed me and put me in place and then stood next to me. <laughs> Uh, good memory. And then more recently, I met um, Luciana Paluzzi from Thunderball, who played Fiona Volp, who was a, a bad guy, a bad Bond girl, and uh, Mariam Diabo uh, from The Living Daylights, who played Kara Milavoy. They can't tackle the great Kali. Kali's running with guys on his back. Nash is hanging out with the cheerleaders because he's now basically a woman. Yes. Rob Schneider shows up to go, you can do it for no good reason. Yeah. Burt Reynolds comes back in the game and plays. We get a, a big finale where Adam Sandler does some crazy move where he, he, he you know barely makes it by yeah. reaching his arm into the end zone. I'm not sure if it's legal, yeah. but it doesn't matter. It's how the game ends. He wins, then goes to 
get the game ball, and we get another heel turn from James Cromwell because this ridiculously uneven movie has no idea what it should be doing. Yeah, Cromwell says he's trying to escape. He gives uh, one of the guards a, 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 a rifle and says, shoot him, he's escaping. The guard can't do it. And then we see that Adam Sandler was just simply picking up the game ball to give to Cromwell all for his serious. trophy case. It gets yes. all serious. There's dramatic no music. And yeah. another thing about the game is... When they went to the half, we weren't sure if it was halftime yes. or if it was the end of the game. They didn't show the scoreboard very yeah. often. It didn't seem like they had any handle on how to do a football game right. in a movie. I didn't think they did a good job of that because normally you have to have a lot of going back because when you're watching a real football game on TV, mm-hmm. you got the score on the mm-hmm. screen. We're trained as, as viewers yeah. to not really focus on what the score is on our head now because it's on the screen yeah. all the time. And so when they do a scene like this, there's got to be a lot of the coach going, all right, we're down by four. Yeah. All right, we're up by two. There's five minutes left on the clock till the second half. You know, yeah. they got to keep saying stuff like that. They don't. So the convicts win. They win by, I think, one point. One point because they go for the two-point conversion at the end. They t- they have the potential to tie it up with the, yeah, with the, the field goal. The convicts don't do that. No, but they go all the way, and they run a... Uh, just a silly trick play, and that's that's how this thing ends. And so that, and, and the one guard says, "I'm not. I yeah. I won't testify and say that you killed Chris Chris right. Rock. I won't lie." He's like, you, "I know you didn't. You kill beat Chris us Rock. fair and square." Hello again, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon. Also in a Camel Clutch Cinema of great historical importance, not seen anywhere since 1980. The man they call Craig Cohen and Guy Hutchinson. Thank you, Vince McMahon. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. And we want to thank you so much for listening to us over the past year. It's been an absolute blast. We've seen some wonderful movies and some terrible movies. And before we go, we want to leave you with a little treat. This is from Captain Marvelous's Off the Ropes podcast. And this is a great segment. I can't explain too much about it, but I will tell you we are acting and it's bizarre and enjoy it. And we will do another year right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. insensitive to our foreign viewers there. Assuming they get TNA on the rice boat they're using to get to the U.S., hey, I'm Taz. Our careers are going down to the ground. That's why we're commentating from this casket now. Oh, hey. <laughs> Look, 
that little guy's making his way to the ring. You know, the little man who won the X title last week. Oh boy, do I hate short people. I'm Taz. I am the X Division champion now, and I want to cash in this title for a shot at the world title, so get out here, Hogan. Here comes Hogan walking to the ring, so make yourself comfortable. Ten minutes later. Hey, brother, you want to cash in this title? You're going to have to earn it, brother. Tonight, you will have a three-way X Division title match, brother, against this man, brother. Now, last week, I blew the gimmick and showed everyone that suicide was TJ Perkins, brother. But I'm going to ignore that and instead pretend nothing happened, brother, because I'm Hulk Hogan. But I changed the name of this man from suicide to manic because I'm starting to realize, brother, that he was created by a 12-year-old boys in a video game, brother. Also, you're going to fight Saban because of the three-way match, brother. Oh, boy, three men all at once, throwing some ropes and a dog collar, and I'm all over this. <laughs> sure thing, Tanae. I heard it's not dangerous if you know how to do it. I'm Taz. For our first match, we have Kaz taking on AJ Styles in a BFG tournament match. Here are Kaz and Daniels dressed as Siegfried and Roy, which is apropos as we're recording from Las Vegas, home of my many role models. Yeah, Elton John, Liver Etchy. And Celine Dion, right? I'm Taz. Uh, sure thing, Taz. Wrestle, wrestle. AJ locks on the calf killer and tap, tap. AJ wins, and we get 10 points for the BFG series. Chavo and Hernandez are in the back. And Chavo just said Hernandez, Hernandez is a future world champion, which is something that nobody's ever said in the history of saying things. Oh, hey, there's Mickey James climbing a ladder in the middle of the ring. Boy, I wish he was climbing me. Oh, boy, Taz, I know what you mean. There's nothing hotter than women stepping on your body, especially in high heels. Just ask Tony Atlas. Now it's time for gut check. Hey, we have to choose from these two guys, brother, and see who advances to be judged again later on so we can hire them and never show them on TV. Didn't we just... Fire five people, and two or three of those were gut check winners. Oh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of losers, it's our second match, and it's Jay Bradley versus Hernandez in a BFG series match. Hey, did you know that Chavo Guerrero is related to Eddie Guerrero? Because I didn't know that, but now I do. Also... Hector Guerrero is Eddie Guerrero's brother, which I just learned. Guerrero in Spanish means Guerrera. I need to mention Guerrero one more time, and we meet at Crota. One, two, three, Guerrero, Guerreros. So Hernandez gets seven points. I'm Taz. Oh, hey, Aces and Aces backstage, drinking beer with the labels removed, just like they sell them at the store. We got to beat up the three guys in the main event tonight because... If nobody wins, that means that I don't have to fight anyone. I don't know how wrestling works. Bork is engaged. That is weird. Shut up. We have to mention it because we're trying to be kayfabe still. Up next is bromance versus homophobia. This match is considered a hate crime in certain states. Yeah, look at those two fruitcakes. Wearing matching gears? Even having the same hairstyle? What a bunch of fruit booties. Are you talking about cowboys or bromans? 
either one. Well, this is a great match, but wrestle, 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 hate crimes are successful, and they get the victory. Go America! I'm Taz! I hear music box monkey music, so that can only mean one thing. It's time for the meh! Here, Sting, all righty then. Let's go to business. Our new member of the meh is someone who's smoking. Lady Vet Mafia is made of former champions and only champions. So welcome Samoa Joe. <laughs> welcome Samoa <laughs> Joe. Now let's introduce the newest member of the meh. Even though we said we're all former champs, let's forget the rules and bring out someone who helped us fight A8's Magnus. Oh boy, what a plan! These four men have fought A8's for the last six months and lost anyways. Darn it! But now they have suits! Let's go to our next match, Taz. It's Joseph Parks versus Jeff Hardy in a BFG series match. Hey, this match is great! As you can see, Joseph Park is bleeding! And he lost his mind, turned into a biz there for a bit, but he slammed the referee instead! He sees his blood, and he stabs, kinda like that guy, Jackie Chan! Do you mean Bruce Lee? Oh boy, they all look the same to you, don't they, Tanae? I'm Taz! Cup check judging, and let's tape save time for you and just say Van Hammer Jr. got a no! Time for our main event. It's a three-man sweat fest. Austin Aries versus Saban versus Manic D. The D is for depressive. This match is amazing, Taz. Makes me want to go back to my hotel room and sing karaoke with a living being this time, but probably won't happen. Autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> well, here come my aces and ace buddies to ruin this good match. But what is TNA if not Scuttlebutts? Saban with the top rope move. One, two, three. Saban wins and shows he can hold his one, which is the reason for this match. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week, everyone. Tune in next week. We might have to use this casket for today here. It's safe if you know how to do it. And I had any credits to this, and I can't find them now. Play your brother, Nuffy. Oh, yes! I love Undertaker! So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little! We got ushers bigger than you! Leave! I gotta take a crap! Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel that? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh my God, a four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view. 